Lord, we thank you for the truth of the gospel. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. We pray that you'd help us as we look briefly at your word. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Christ, of course, as we know, is the reason for Christmas. He is the reason for the celebration. And everything that is going on in this moment, even in this room, is made possible by the sustaining grace of Christ. Colossians chapter 1 says that in him, that is, in Christ, all things hold together. That is to say that Christ is holding the very fabric of the universe together, that he is sustaining uh, everything that is going on in your body physically at this moment to keep you alive. He is sustaining all of the rules and the laws of physics and science and all of this stuff. It is Christ at the center of everything. And it is for this reason that, uh, specifically, that, that Christ is at the center of it all, is that we grieve when we see that people, sometimes some of us, have lost sight of the purpose of life and of Christmas itself. Christmas time is one of those times in the year where people become more introspective. They are frequently more open to hearing truth, and they recognize their need. Oh, I should be more patient. I should be more this. I should be all of that, and these kinds of things. And so in light of this, I want to look at a very important Christmas text today that emphasizes the centrality of Christ and his purpose and his reason for coming. And the text simply is Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. We're just going to look at one verse today. And that verse says this, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for, for, He will save his people from their sins. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will, Jesus will save, rescue, redeem his people from their own sins. One of the most important things that you do when you are evaluating anything is to evaluate that thing in terms of its purpose, The reason that it exists, philosophers sometimes use the word telos, that what is the telos or the end or the purpose for this particular thing. Why do we do a certain thing or why does a certain thing exist? Why do we form a church or why do we form a club or an organization or any of these things? Organizations will oftentimes have what is called a purpose statement. Okay? Our church has a purpose statement. Let me remind you of what our church purpose statement is. It is this. Crossview Church exists to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. Other organizations have their own purpose statements or mission statements. The building that we meet in here, the YMCA, has a mission statement. Uh, And their statement is simply this, to put Christian principles into practice through programs that build healthy spirit, mind, and body for all. And I think that it is true that you cannot fully appreciate a thing in its entirety until you know its purpose or its telos. 
think of, for example, uh, the news, okay? Uh, Nobody who watches the news is ever satisfied to hear just the report of the events as they transpired. What do we want to know? We want to know why those events transpired, right? If it's, for instance, we're hearing about a crime, then we want to know what was the motivation behind this criminal who did this. Or if it's a positive act, maybe some generous uh, philanthropy or something like that, we want to know what motivated this person to give to this particular organization. We're, We're not satisfied with merely knowing what happened. We want to know why it happened. We want to know, we might say, the telos, and that helps us to understand the bigger picture. And so we're going to ask ourselves this question, what is the end for which Jesus Christ came to this earth? What is the telos or the purpose? And this verse, Matthew one twenty one, answers this very question. And this verse is going to focus in a very specific way on the purpose of Christ's coming. Some of you may have a, a little flashlight sitting at your end table or at your entryway and your flashlight may have different modes, right? You have the floodlight mode. You go outside and you can flood this very large area, but it's not super bright in any one spot. Or you may have a flashlight that really focuses, and so you go outside and it can go very far and it hones in a very specific spot. And so that may help you if you're trying to see something in a very specific location. Or you may even go further than that and you have this laser pointer, right, that that hones in on something super specific and super fine and detailed, and it's, this is what we're looking at right here in this specific spot. Well, Matthew 121 is like this laser pointer. It's, it's, it's not giving the, the broad, all of the details surrounding it. It's just simply focusing on one thing. Jesus Christ came for this purpose. Here's what this very specific thing is. There's no fluff, there's no peripheral, there's no extra verbiage, there's just a very laser-like focus on one very precise thing. The focus is sharp, it is clear, and it is undisputable. We know this because of the word for in this particular passage. Matthew 121, let's look at it again. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for... He will save his people from their sins. You have a very specific purpose. What is the purpose? He will what? Save his people from their sins. Let me try to explain this a little bit. Understanding Christianity, what we're saying here is for me to understand anything, an organization, or the, motiv- the motivation of, of somebody doing something, whatever those things, in order to understand that, I have to know the purpose, the reason. Why did this th- particular thing happen? Understanding Christianity, understanding Christ, understanding Christmas requires a prior understanding of Christ's coming. Now, there is a sermon illustration that I heard a number of years ago, and I cannot find it anywhere. Uh, if you know where this is, please let me know because I would like to find this. Okay, But I'm going to reconstruct it to the best of my ability from my memory of this. Okay, Many years ago, there was a section of the beach along the ocean where shipwrecks were very common. 
And many people in this particular part of the, the sea would drown. And so a group of people finally got together to deal with this problem, and they said, we are going to build a rescue station. And at first, this rescue station was a very great success. Uh, when a ship would go aground or crash on the rocks, the rescue station would rush into action, and many, many lives were saved over the years. But after this rescue station had been in operation for several years, as the people would come and, uh, to the rescue station, they, they began to notice that um, things had kind of fallen apart a little bit, and uh, some of the, there weren't really many decorations, and the ones that were there were kind of dated, and the paint was chipping, and so they started to fix these things, and we don't have the most comfortable furniture here. I mean, we've got to wait around all day long for someone to wreck, and so let's get some nicer furniture in here, and let's kind of make this place very nice. And one thing led to another, and after several years, the rescue station slowly became a rescue station no longer. It became a community gathering place as they began to make it more entertaining and as they began to make it better and improve upon this so that it was very comfortable. And so there was a social gathering club here. It was complete with refreshments and entertainment and dances and all of these kinds of things. And one day, uh, over the radio came a call for help and nobody knew what to do. They went uh, throughout the whole building and realized that all the rescue gear had been carelessly thrown into the basement and they couldn't make uh, sort it out and, and, and didn't know what to do. And that ship that had crashed on the rocks, everybody who was on that ship perished. And so somebody had an idea and they said, we should really build a rescue station to save these people. And so the community got to work and they found a spot a little bit north on the shore here and they built a rescue station. And uh, they, they uh, built this and, a- and after a number of years it had saved many, many lives. But after so many years the same thing happened again. And this one was no longer being used as a rescue station. Until eventually... If you were to go up and down the entire shore, there were rescue stations scattered up and down that shoreline. Buildings that used to be rescue stations but were repurposed. Some of them were restaurants, others were community gathering places, and so on and so forth. But none of them were actual rescue stations. They looked like them. They had some of the paraphernalia of a rescue station. They had some of the decorations that reminded people or even pictures of some of the rescues that had happened. But none of them were actual rescue stations. None of them fulfilled their original purpose. And the point for us is obvious. Christmas, and I'm going to broaden this out to something more than just a Christmas message here for a moment. But Christianity in popular culture has lost its meaning to our culture precisely because we've lost our purpose. What what even does the church exist for anymore? Does anybody know the answer to that question? And if you were to go and poll church after church after church, even in our own community, you would get very radically different answers on why they exist. 
And so let's go back to Christmas. Let's, let's not focus so broadly anymore. Let's come back to Christmas. What is the purpose? What is the reason? Why does Christmas, the celebration, exist? You may, you may have the decorator perspective, right? And Christmas is all about the lights and the trees and the snow falling and Nat King Cole playing in the background, right? None of these things are bad. I'm not saying that. I enjoy to sit down in the house and watch the snowfall and all of this kind of stuff. Those things are beautiful and they're wonderful and they're glorious, but those things themselves, in and of themselves and for themselves, are not the purpose for which Christ came. Christ did not come so that you could sit in front of a fireplace with hot chocolate and marshmallows and watch the snowfall and listen to Christmas music. That's not, I'm not saying that's at cross purposes with Christianity. We can enjoy life, okay? But I'm saying that specific reason is not the reason that Christ has come. You might have the family perspective where Christ is all about being with family and eating Christmas cookies and opening presents together. And again, all of these things are wonderful and beautiful and full of joy. And I hope that you do these kinds of things. But those things themselves, that's not the end purpose. Somebody sent me uh, an excerpt from a kid's Christmas activity book. And the book was distributed by a local church here in Wayne County. And it says that Christmas is not about getting, but about giving. And we should think about ways that we can give back to our community. And one of the suggestions on this list of ways in which we can be about Christmas by being about being giving was to return stray carts in the grocery store parking lot back to the store. Okay? Now, I hope that you don't leave those. That's a little bit annoying when people leave carts all over the parking lot, okay? We can take those back, okay? It takes 15 seconds to do that, all right? This is what I would call the humanitarian perspective, where Christmas is about the giving, and it is about the kindness, and it is about the hospitality. And I hope that you are a giving, kind, hospitable person. And I hope that you are more that way because of Christ. And I hope that you serve others. But returning stray carts at the grocery store is not the purpose for which Christ came. You see... What we have created in our culture is we have the structure, but we don't have any of the insides, like that rescue station. There might be um, uh, some rope hanging on the wall, and it, and it looks nice. You know, it almost looks decorative to have this thing of rope hanging on the wall or this life preserver over here. We, we have... Many, in, in our churches, we have many of the right um, words that we say. We, we, we talk with the right verbiage, and we have Bibles, and we have songs that mention Christ. But is there anything that is left of the purpose for which Christ came? in our churches and in our lives. The, the centerpiece of that. You may imagine that you have a wedding celebration and that you have included 
everything at this celebration. The wedding coordinator has, has, has included everything, and you have all of the catering set up, and you have all the decorations set up, and all the musicians are there, and all the decorations are there, but then somebody forgot to inform the bride and groom where it was and when it was. And, and it's not that the catering is bad. That's not what we're saying. It's not that the guests are bad. It's not that the de- decorations are bad. It's, but it's that they are shallow and meaningless without the bride and groom. That's all that we're saying. See, if, if you're hearing me say that, that, that um, we're anti-celebration or that we are anti-Christmas cookies or that we are anti... No, 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 no. It's, those things are good, but they are shallow without the core. That they're meaningless without Christ. What are you even, (laughs) there's no bride and groom here. What are we doing here? Why are we celebrating? Yeah, it might be fun. We're going to get up and we're going to dance and we're going to enjoy this, enjoy that, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But (laughs) the, the, the core is not here. The reason for this celebration is missing. It's a rescue station in name only. And the same is true here. I think Christians have the most reason, more than anyone else, to celebrate Christmas. And actually, I would go beyond this. Christians have more reason than anybody else in the world to celebrate, in general, all year long. What has Christ done for us? Is that not cause for celebration? We should be known, in part, as Christians by our celebrations. But the celebration is shallow and it is meaningless without Christ. And so we have to go back into the archives and figure out what is the purpose of all this stuff. We're doing all this celebration and we have all these cookies and we have all this pie and we have all this feasting and we have all this stuff, but do you know, I don't know, what's what's going on here? Let's go back into the archives and see what's going on. We need to establish that fact, and then we can figure out how we are to celebrate in light of Christ's coming. And that is what Matthew one twenty one is all about. The Christmas story, if you were to put that laser-like focus on a very specific thing, the Christmas story is the story of a rescue operation. That's what we're celebrating. Here is the purpose of Christmas. Here is the purpose of Christ's coming. That he would save his people from their sins. That's it. Anything that loses sight of that is missing the mark. And so the celebration, I'm not saying don't do the celebration. I'm I'm saying do the celebration in light of that. Because of that. This, of course... This verse would have been shocking to the average Jewish mind of the day. What are you talking about? I don't need saving. I'm a Jew. And while it may be for different reasons, I think that this is oftentimes shocking to us as well. What are you talking about? I don't need saving. I'm not that bad. And we compare ourselves by ourselves and we think in, in relationship to this particular person, my life isn't that bad. God will just let me in one day. I don't need saving. At the center of Christ's coming, at the center of this verse, 
The purpose of it is an acknowledgement in Matthew 121. And the acknowledgement is this. I am guilty. Do you see that in Matthew 121? How, how do we know this? Because at the center of the purpose statement of Christ's coming, it says that he will save us from our sins, meaning that we have sins, meaning that we're guilty. Why would he need to save his people from their sins if there was no sin to be saved from? And so the Christmas celebration is, not to make this, not to make Christmas morbid, okay, but the Christmas celebration is a celebration of you being taken off of death row. That's, that's why we're celebrating. We're celebrating because I am guilty, I have sinned, Christ has pardoned that, I'm no longer on death row, and I will worship him because of this. And here's Christmas. We celebrate that Jesus has come to save his people from their sins. And so I just want to make a couple of remarks uh, on this. Notice that it says in the verse that he will save his people. You see that in, in Matthew one twenty one. He will save a, a group of people from their sins. Okay? It's not does not say that he will save every person who's ever lived. There is a group of people that exists called his people. And that group, not this group, this group is the group that he comes to save. Whoever's in this group of his people is the people that he saves. Not, this is one of the great tragedies of this world, and that is that not every human being who has ever walked the planet will have their sins pardoned. Some will never have their sins pardoned. Christ saves his people, meaning that you must repent and believe in the gospel in order to be saved. You must be his people. You must be a child of God. You must be a believer in Christ in order to be saved. You all know the most famous verse in the entire Bible, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Okay? It's the believing ones, the ones who are believing, the, one, the ones who are his people that he saves. Other people, that is to say those who don't believe in him, who are not in this group of the believing ones or his people, those people will perish and not have eternal life. But those who are in Christ will have eternal life. Why? Because they are his children, they are his people. Christ will save his people from their sins. And just to make it abundantly clear, he's saving them from, uh, not from generic sin, but from their sin the sins they committed and produced, okay? He's not saving them from some uh, esoteric concept out there of sinfulness, which is uh, just bad things happen. He's saving you from your guilt and your actual 
sins that you have committed against Christ. Here's what this means. Let, let, let me kind of just put all of this together here. We're talking about celebrating Christmas for the right reasons. We're talking about focusing in on the purpose of Christ's coming. You might be celebrating Christmas, but you might not be in on the celebration. There's a, it's a difference here, okay? Anyone can celebrate Christmas. I'm not seeking to take the celebration away. I'm seeking to give you a reason to celebrate. And if there is even one person in this room today who is unregenerate, that is to say you are not a believer in Christ, I want to give you a reason to celebrate. Because I want you to be taken off of death row. I want you to know Christ, to repent and believe on him. And, and, and if that is someone here and someone repents and believes on Christ today, then this would be your first Christmas that you get to really celebrate. I'm not saying remove the celebration. I'm saying increase the celebration. Rejoice louder. Bring out more Christmas cookies, okay? Let's celebrate. But I'm saying do those things because you have something to celebrate because your sins are forgiven. What does this mean? Well, first, this means this, that you must run to the gospel through repentance and faith towards Christ. That's first, because otherwise, if you don't repent and believe on Christ, then you are celebrating someone else's victory, someone else's pardon while you're still sitting on death row. you don't know Christ as Savior, repent and believe. I will make time after the service today to talk to anyone who is not a believer in Christ. That's the first thing. Secondly, we need to understand the central purpose of Christ's coming and not lose that from our minds. All these other things are great and good and wonderful, but just keep the laser-like focus that Jesus Christ came for the express purpose and express intention of saving his people from their sins. That's why he came. And third, third application is celebrate. Feast. Laugh. Celebrate because you've been pardoned. Celebrate for the right reasons. And keep Christmas in line with the reason that it's here, that it exists. It's because of Christ, for his glory, and for our good. Thank you, God, for today and your grace. We thank you for the gospel and pray that you'd help us to go encouraged. Thank you for your um, just providence and all that you've done in our lives. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.